0: Welcome to the College Scoops Podcast. I'm your host, Moira McCullough. And today we're talking with Dana Ponsky about advice for your freshman year. You know,
1: a lot of high schools, whether public schools or private schools, focus on community. And then all of a sudden in this process, it goes from community oriented to individual. And I think when you get to college, nobody is putting you in a community. You've got to figure out how to create that for yourself.
0: This is the College Scoops Podcast, and I'm your host, Moira McCullough. We focus on everything college-related, from the admissions process to where to eat, stay, and explore on and around campuses. Our guests include founders, educators, authors, and experts in the college space. Join us as these experts share their knowledge, experiences, and lessons learned to help you have stress-free, informative, and tasty college journeys. Whether it's your first or last child going to college, or you're just interested in going to a college town for a game or meal, we've got you covered. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the College Scoops podcast to get the inside scoops on everything college-related, and leave us a review. Thanks to all of our sponsors, partners, and the entire College Scoops ambassador team for helping us bring valuable content to our community. If you would like to support College Scoops as a sponsor, please head over to Patreon at patreon.com slash college scoops and sign up as a sustaining listener, insider, or deluxe sponsor. We have exclusive benefits for our members and even a College Scoops care package. Dana Ponsky began her career in education more than 20 years ago as a student at the University of Maryland, where she earned a degree in American Studies, a graduate degree in college student personnel from Bowling Green State University, and a post certificate in enrollment management from the University of Miami. After working with first-year college students and creating programs that would increase retention, Dana transitioned to work as a school-based college counselor. She has served as a high school director of college counseling in Miami, Washington, DC, Brooklyn, and Northern New Jersey, and has volunteered for nationally recognized college access programs. Dana's unique background in college admissions counseling career counseling, and student development services, along with her entrepreneurial spirit, provides high school and college students and their families with the tools and resources to have a great application to get into college, but most importantly, to develop what is needed to ensure long-term success in college and beyond. Welcome to the College Scoops podcast, Dana. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. Well, you and I talked forever for the first conversation. Mm -hmm. One, you're an American studies major. So whenever I see that on anyone's resume or something, I'm like, hey, I didn't know they existed other than myself. So I love that. Yes. You also worked at University of Michigan, which my daughter is at, and you've lived in so many different places. So we kind of traveled vicariously through each other, sharing our memories of the different places we've lived. Exactly. I was like, we've probably been neighbors and just not known it. Absolutely. Well, it kind of fits then too with the work that you do and the involvement that you've had at different universities working with first-year freshmen, just because you're kind of like the newbie wherever you go, right? Right.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's like, if I'm not another person I'm working with is, and then I just drag them along and hopefully help them get through it.
0: Exactly. Can you just share a little bit about how you got involved with working at universities, helping first okay. year um, students acclimate and transition to college? Okay,
1: perfect. The story I like to tell is that when I was in high school, I grew up in Connecticut, went to a public school, went through the college process with no support. Obviously my parents were super supportive, wherever you want to go, you can go. But I did not have a college counselor in high school. I had a great School counselor, but they were not involved in the process. So I, being a person who really loves useless, pointless information that's only good for Jeopardy or Trivial Pursuit, I read all the college books and got really into it, and I really loved it. And you know, made the decision to go to the University of Maryland. And the story I like to tell is that I really struggled my first year of college because the transition was very different than I anticipated. Um, I had a lot more time on my hands than I knew what to do with. And I wasn't getting the grades that I was accustomed to having. And one of the things I realized was I wasn't very involved the way I had been when I was in high school. And so my first experience really getting involved at the University of Maryland, uh, which you can probably see all my Terp gear behind me. I do. (laughs) Is um, I got involved with the orientation office. And so I was an orientation advisor and it was the best experience. And That was kind of the launching point to getting really involved with the university. My grades shot up. Everything was great. Um, But I also had these great mentors. I decided to be like, hey, what do you, how did you get to this job to be working for a university? And I was directed towards higher education administration. That led me to graduate from Maryland. I went to Bowling Green State University for graduate school. And while I was there, I worked at the University of Michigan as a career counselor. But I had had a really great experience in graduate school working at DePaul University in Chicago as um, the intern for the orientation office. And so having done it as an undergrad, and then again, as a graduate student, I loved it. I just loved everything about orientation, first year programming. And so that's what led me to my first professional job, which was at the University of Miami. So yes, I've been all over, yes. and uh, from there I spent the next six years in student affairs doing first-year experience programming at the University of Miami and at Barry University, and my kind of focus and expertise was not only putting on a great orientation. Um, because I, it's really an extension of the admissions office. I'm the person who's helping to create a program where a student's saying, okay, I made, I think I made a full commitment to coming here, but is this program is really going to be this, it's going to sign, seal and deliver it all. And so I had that, you know, pressure to put on a great program for students to make them feel like the decision was the right one. And hopefully they'd started to school. And then my office would then go ahead and make sure that within that first year, they were very well supported along with academics and, and. The multitudes of other offices on campus. And so I just really loved first year programming. I loved, you know, helping college students be successful. But the work I was doing at Barry University had a lot to do with retention. And I realized a lot of students were coming into college really excited, but didn't have the skills needed to get through the college experience. And so I kept saying, who helps them in high school? Who helps them in high school? Because again, I did not have a college counselor. I did not know the job existed. And as most careers go, we don't always know that we are going to leave one area of education in my case. And I left higher ed to go work on the high school side because I figured I knew how to survive college. I needed to I wanted to help kids in high school not just get in, but to actually get through college. And so that's kind of where my specialty lies: is I can help with the college application process, but I focus very much on, like many other counselors, on fit. But I'm looking at it not from an admissions point. I'm looking at it from: is this going to be the environment that academically, socially, emotionally, wellness-wise, is going to get you through college to what eventually your long-term goals are.
0: And that is a big differentiator because yeah. a lot of people just are focused on getting in, getting in, but, mm-hmm. and then they think, okay, whew, drop you <laughs> off and you're good. Right. <laughs> right. Not realizing, and you saw it from, from a university, higher education perspective yeah. that retention is, is something that should be every student and every family and everyone has to be more concerned with and focus on because that is where many students drop off and start to right. experience challenges. I just right. wanna go back though to your experience at the different, um, just in, at University of Maryland as well. I remember my experience at the school that I went to eventually, um, Fairfield, I had the best interview there with yeah. a woman named Moira so that in itself that was helps. just, you know, what, what are the chances?
1: We call but, it basheret in Judaism. There's a word, basheret. a Yiddish word basheret. It means basheret. like it was meant to be.
0: It was meant to be. Okay. And yeah. my name is meant in, in yeah. Latin, it means fate. So there fate. you go. There you go. <laughs> But you, you mentioned a good point. I was a late bloomer, so I didn't get involved in the admissions and helping out as a tour guide or some of the um, activities and clubs until junior and senior year. And you're absolutely right for students to get more involved earlier on helps with a acclimating to the new environment, getting your time management and life skills in place that allows you to thrive not only in the classroom, but outside of the classroom. And, it, right. and it's also a way to give back. I mean, you saw how basically you were welcomed into new communities. And how can right. you then make it as easy for people, lessons That's learned? Nice. And how can I help with the transition and not have the experience that
1: I did struggling? And how can right. I help people uh, right. and give back? Like pay it right. forward, kind of. Right. Well, I think that I think the operative word there is community, and Absolutely. we, you know, a lot of high schools, whether public schools or private schools, focus on community. And then all of a sudden, in this process, it goes from community oriented to individual, and mm-hmm. that this is a, that the college admissions process is a very individualized experience, which it is. But then once you get back to once you're in the college setting, you've got to go back to developing creating a community for yourself and sometimes what we're so used to having growing up is we don't create that community for ourselves we're put into it we're put into the high schools we're put into a religious community or a sports community or a theater community or whatever and i think when you get to college Nobody is putting you in a community. You've got to figure out how to create that for yourself. And there are some, you know, there are outstanding colleges across this country. There are thousands of them that do that focus very firmly on community building in multiple ways. And I think that that's part of what, you know, we were just talking about is that you've got to be able to make some kind of connection very early on. And by making that connection, you're put, it's like the seedlings to grow. Community that will evolve and adapt as time goes on, and give you the ability to have multiple communities. But that's fundamental. And when you look at schools, it's not looking at the numbers that you're going to need in order to get in. It's really more like, do I actually see myself finding a community here? Do I see myself, you know, amongst the student body? Do I see myself, you know, going to big sporting events, or do I go to musical events or theater events, whatever those things are. Um, And so I think that, I think what we're both kind of really honing in on is community being a huge part of the success students have once they're in college.
0: And and you and I know that just in terms of, we talked in our introductions about how we move around so often. And we've been thrown into new environments, new communities where you have had to self-advocate and figure out where do you want to focus your efforts originally, you know, to at least establish some type of foundation to to grow from. So when you were in these, um, you know, different roles, what are some of the challenges that you've seen students face in that first year that are, one, things that they could kind of prepare for before they arrive on campus and others that they can do once they
1: are on campus? So this is probably applicable to pre-COVID and during COVID, (laughs) but two things that stand out is that both can be dealt with, you know, before getting to college, but also really do need to be dealt with while there. Um, One is finances. Um, I think there's a lot of underestimating of what one needs to do not just to pay for college, but to actually deal with once they're in college. There's a really, you know, a lot of times my students will say, okay, we've got the cost of tuition, room, and board covered. And then I go, but do you have the cost of being able to eat out maybe once a week right. or once every two weeks with your with your friends? Um, do you have, how are you going to earn money? Are you earning it over the summer or during school? Do you have a work-study job? There's a lot of different things about finances that don't ever go away when you're in school. And I think that there's a little bit of this constant conversation about net price calculators and estimated family contribution But we're not, it's, these are big numbers and and they're tens of thousands of dollars for many students and families, but we also have to focus on the micro level of just getting by on a day-to-day basis and how to really think about that. And what could students be doing in high school to maybe earn some money for themselves, having open dialogue with their families about creating budgets, um, (laughs) starting to live by a budget before you go to college and doing that. Cause I think a lot of times a lot of students have never had a budget until they go to college. And it's like, well, wait, I want to go out with my friends. And it's like, it's a discipline. And teaching that discipline early can be really helpful because the stress that can happen to students when they're ho- focused on. I don't have the money to pay for my education, or I don't have the money to create the community that I want. That can that ha- that can d- definitely have a significant impact. I find I found when I was you know many years ago just doing this that more often my students who left the university in its entirety did not leave because they were not academically prepared. They left because they were not financially able to stay. And I think that yes, there's. We talk, like I said, tuition, room and board, but I think it's really the budgeting and understanding finances and understanding how to keep, you know, how to earn money, how to keep money and how to be able to pay for things is a big part of this.
0: I can attest to that in terms of, I just remember I was fortunate enough where my parents did pay for my college. I did have a student loan. I was on work study, but in addition to work study, I needed another job. And I knew that during the summer when I was dropped off at campus, you know, in the fall, Every every penny that was spent until the last day when I left the campus, even getting back to and from school, I had yeah. to figure that out. Right. Um, and that was something where all of a sudden you set up during the summer, that kind of gave me an indication of what jobs I needed to take and then what yeah. jobs I should look for. And I guess you could look at it as a stressor, but if you plan and budget accordingly, yeah. it was actually, I needed that job from a time management point of view, and right. it was another opportunity to create community.
1: Right, and that's actually the second part of what I was going to say was the, was time management is another aspect of this, and so part of what you know just a lot of th- things that can be stressors are not knowing what to do with your time. And um, we were talking earlier about the fact that I've had a lot more phone calls this winter, I guess, of of students that are in their freshman year of college who were high achieving students in high school, strong grades, strong everything, really active, really struggling um, after the first semester of college, not getting the grades that they're accustomed to. And so I listen to their stories and I laugh because I feel like I'm listening to myself just 25 years later um because I'm like oh I did this in 1990 something but it's a lot of this comes down to when we do an exercise which of uh, which is a time management exercise I have my students do where they log their time for a week of everything they do when we sit down together and we look at it there's so many distractions that used to exist whether you were in school in the early 2000s and the 90s and the 80s and the 70s but are even more of a distraction now we didn't have social media we didn't have binging television you had to wait one full week from Absolutely, episode right episode. and so now it's just a very different thing and i think that that not really knowing what to do with time and having too much of it and, this, and people really tend to str- struggle more in college because they almost have too much time on their hands. They're used to being in places where their time was structured. And now it's not. And it's, det- it's the students has to determine that structure. There's a lot of different options available at universities to help, but it really is much more comes from the intrinsic, I've got to have to do this. But if you've never had to do it, it doesn't matter mm-hmm. how well you did academically. If you never had to do it, it's a skill that has to be learned and has to be honed and and whatnot. And I think that the last couple of years, it was like things kind of, you know, threw up all over the place, but we were at home and it was the home itself had a structure. You know, it was like, okay, you know, you had parents maybe sitting there saying, you've got to be in school right now. School still went on, even though it was virtual. And now- People are going off to college and they haven't had a normal, they haven't had a normal situation for a couple of years. And now they're going back to a normal situation they haven't had. <laughs> right. No, it's, normal, it's so true. But it Works at a school, but it's not normal for the freshmen in college. They haven't had a normal experience in a few years. And so I think that sh- when we talk about stressors, the finances is one thing, but I think time management is another one right now. I think everyone deals with it, but I think it's definitely on a heightened level now because- it's just been such an up and down over the last few years.
0: And I think it's within your family unit as you said we've been home and therefore there was unstructured like chaos. <laughs> right. Know? In right. terms of, you know, how do you how do you manage that? And then um it's just kind of that that push that you need or that, you know, kind of direction and little bit of coaching because I think once you do find a way to structure your day-to-day life, there's a way to do it where case in point, I was on a swim team. I decided to quit my swim team at college. So I, I joined water polo. It was a great way, or, you know, you join right. a newspaper, you know, and I think those are the ways, but it takes a little bit of um, getting outside of your comfort zone yes. and taking a risk.
1: Yeah. I think I told a student recently um, and it was great advice I got in my thirties, not when I was, you know, 18, but do one new thing every day that scares you. And I, I tell my students, I go, when you're in college, everything is scary. There's not a huge difference sometimes between being 18 and five, you know, like five years old, you're going to kindergarten. You're thinking, how am I going to do this? (laughs) Same thing happens when you're 18 in this example and going off to college. It's how am I going to do this? You've got to, you've got to wake up every day and just think, what's the one thing today that's going to be different or new or scary. Um, and if you have to write it down, write it down. But it's it's a mindfulness exercise of pushing yourself beyond that kind of comfort zone. It is much easier to sit in a dorm room all day long with people that you enjoy living with than it is to get up and go to class. <laughs> it, it, right. it just is, especially if it's cold out, especially if it's raining. You know, I, I will always, I tell the story when I was at Maryland, which nobody told me Maryland is in a rain belt. So my <laughs> first 10 weeks of college from Every Thursday till Sunday, basically, it rained constantly. And I kept thinking, why do I want to get up at 7 o'clock in the morning to be at an 8 a.m. class in the pouring rain? I'm just not going to go. I never did that in high school. I never missed a day of high school. But it was like, yeah, I don't have to go. It's very, very easy but you know you got to you've got to push yourself to do stuff you got to you got to get soaking wet you got to get freezing cold you got to get super sweaty if you're in a hot place you got to do it because it's a huge investment it's an investment of time it's an investment of money and this opens up, college opens up a lot of doors
0: absolutely and i also think afterwards especially if you if you are very good at journaling and keeping track of all those scary one-offs that you've done <laughs> You look back on it and the feeling of accomplishment that you actually did, you feel good. You feel lighter. You feel more energy. Um, so I think the end result is, is it positive and something right. that you'll be proud of, Right. but you're right. It's that push that you need to get out the yeah. door. So is that some of the, so we've talked about like the financial piece and, and that goes into the retention aspect, mm-hmm. you know, um, the financial piece. But also the time management, where, as you said, students are coming to college and thinking, "Oh, I can't wait to be outside of the, you know, yeah. my parents' you know control," and I get to do anything and everything. But
1: with that comes, like, you're almost paralyzed in terms right. of
0: you know where to what to do. Right.
1: Right. 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 It, there's it's it's kind of like the idea of how we were when COVID started, where it was the idea of like, "Oh, you'll only be home for two weeks," and everyone's like. Oh yeah, this is amazing. i you know, and that first couple of weeks wasn't so bad for a lot of people because it was like, okay, I'm getting a little bit of a break or we're taking a little time off. Then you realize like, Oh, I got to go back to work. <laughs> I right. can't now that I have this freedom in college. It's like, okay, you got it. Now you got to go work. Now you got to so do there- the job you were assigned to do. <laughs>
0: Exactly, exactly. So, even in when you were working at the different universities and your work with students now, in terms of kind of setting some goals or, you know, for first semester, um, I know one of the things I mentioned to one of my kids sign up for an orientation committee. And that in itself, she would, is that University of Michigan, as we talked Mm -hmm. about. The benefit, she didn't want to do it, but the benefit of doing that was that she got to move in a week earlier than the other 7,000 classmates. Yes for me as a parent that was a very selfish thing that i strongly encouraged <laughs> hey, whatever it exactly but at the end of the day she met a couple people that day one she already knew that they were saying hi to her along campus she knew the you know the um layout of the campus so that was a de-stressor once she made that decision are there other kind of helpful tips and advice that you have for students?
1: So interestingly, this comes up a lot because I do a lot of like, I try to advise a lot and provide good, um, good recommendations through a lot of Facebook groups actually. And mm-hmm. just listening to parents who have a lot of questions and whatnot. One of the things that I would recommend is that when, an, when a university offers um, summer, like a summer start is what they call it, or if you're offered um, admission for a summer term rather than for a fall term, jump at the opportunity. The reason I, uh, before this is because it does exactly what you just said for your daughter. It was like, it gives an opportunity for students to be able to move onto campus. And in the summertime, if you can do that, there's far fewer students. You're able to get much smaller class sizes. You tend to get much more personalized attention in the academic realm. You're living usually in a residence hall with other students who are also summer start. And you're the campus becomes yours. And it's not being shared with thousands of other students in that moment. There's hundreds of you. So you're in a cohort essentially, and you're not going to know everybody, but that cohort, then when school, it's like you do this for, you know, six weeks, you know, four to six weeks, you go, you sometimes come home. And then when you move back on campus for the fall, it isn't this new place. It's a place where you know where all the buildings are. You know where, you know, you already have faculty that you've interacted with. You know where the support services are if you need it. These are, this is exactly the way to be able to kind of get your feet wet without walking in and taking five classes and having a full course load and all that. If you do it over the summer, you're taking one or two classes. You're able to kind of balance your time. Classes tend to be a lot more hours because it's in a shorter period of time. But the reality is, is that it's, they find that students who participate in summer programs tend to have a higher retention uh, after the first semester or the first year because they've already ha- been acclimated and didn't have such a huge kind of like um, intense experience starting school. And not every college has a summer start, but I would say this typ- this is actually pretty common in the Florida system. Uh, you have to you have to in the Florida State system, take at least nine credit hours over the summer before you graduate. I really encourage my students when they're applying to schools in the state of Florida to actually apply for summer for a summer start so that way they can get in and get at least six of those nine credits done prior to the fall of like the official fall start of their freshman year and in almost every case my my students will come back and go I loved it it was a really great experience I liked that it wasn't so much pressure I didn't I could manage everything and It was just I. That's something that I recommend pretty regularly. Second would be like a program like your daughter does. If there's any orientation wilderness programs, anything Mm. that can get people into um, school maybe a week early or two weeks early or even a month, just where they spend a couple of days, I highly recommend.
0: So that's so interesting. I haven't, and and you qualified it being with you know it's very popular in the Florida system because my first reaction would be oh then you might feel separated from your fall orientation classmates that, um, because I always hear that they, a lot, many schools have orientation weekends where, as you said, a wilderness program and those close out really early. So if that's something, you know, sign up for those early but at least that's like a kind of team bonding event, right. you know, yeah. um, for, for you to get ahead or meet right. some people. Right. But I would say, I would always think, oh, for the summer program, I would want, I'd feel like I would miss the fall orientation. But what you're saying is not really, you're just going in, just knowing a cohort of students. Right, students.
1: exactly. Right. And usually, you know, sometimes they actually, some schools still will have, you go through your orientation early in the summer like say June, you go for one or two days, you get your classes, you get that, then they offer opportunities to do these orientation programs you can be in the summer session and still participate in these summer programs. Every right. college kind of sets it up a little bit differently, but they're, they are becoming much more popular. You'll oftentimes hear terms like a bridge program. Those tend to be programs for students who might need a little bit more academic support. I've had okay. some families go, oh, I don't know. And I'm like, oh, please do it. Because again, anytime, and this is typically for schools that are a little bit larger Anytime you can get an opportunity to take a large university, whether it's, you know, Maryland had 30,000, Michigan has 36,000 at the time, you know, it did. Um, Anytime you can take something this big and immediately start making it smaller and manageable, that's when you're going to find a lot more a higher level of retention of satisfaction, because that's really what colleges are hoping for. They want to retain right. you and they want you to be satisfied. And they're coming up with constant ways to be able to do that because they've, they're investing in you by, you know, accepting you, they want you to succeed. And if they're offering up these opportunities, take them, just don't absolutely take it, take it. <laughs> take it.
0: As, as you said, they're investing in you and they're already looking right. at you as an alumni and they want you to be successful and right.
1: contribute to that alumni it,
0: organization.
1: It costs a university quite a bit of money to fill a seat that has been emptied by a freshman who didn't make it. Okay. So it's, it is universities, once those admissions officers, you know, give over the information about the number of students that are coming in for the fall, that university goes into high gear as to how to make sure that they keep every last one of those kids. The faculty are thinking about it you know faculty senates talk about it student affairs staff are talking about it enrollment management is working with all these people there's constant conversations that happen about are we providing the best opportunity both academically and socially and wellness wise to ensure that our students are going to stay because nothing nothing hurts the university to know that a student is leaving because they didn't do something or didn't have something in to help that student through the situation. And that's why there's so many different resources and so many different ways, um, you know, and I and that goes back to community. The, the, the college is trying really hard to make a community for you. You've just got to be able to, they're, they're handing it to you on a silver platter. You've got to be able to take it and know that when you're having a rough ride, they're going to be there to be able to help you get through it.
0: Well, and you've made a really good point that students and parents should, should um... You know, let it sink in that it costs them when you leave, and right. so they're invested in in your success, right? Inside right. and outside the classroom, to make sure that yes. you stay and you become an alumni. So, exactly. in terms of orientation, go to orientation programs. Hundred percent.
1: If they have multiple ones, go earlier in the summer. You have, you tend to get to pick your classes. Better times for picking your classes. Um, you can make good connections with students and build up a relationship with students over the summer so you have a stronger connection with them prior to the start of the classes. But yeah, sooner the better if you have options. If you don't and it's Perfect. just before the start of school, no problem. And then what
0: is some of the other, so that, so that's the first thing. And then as you, once you're on campus, what are some of the things that you help your students? As you mentioned, you have quite a few college Freshman, right now, looking at, looking for help second semester, what are some of the tips and advice you would give for first semester and then second semester?
1: Yeah. So the first tip is always take, evaluate your time, evaluate, and this we talked about before, but evaluate your time. How are you spending your time? How many hours are you studying? How many hours are you in class? Are you going to class? And then I would, the second thing I would say is, do you know where the support offices are on the campus? Do you know where the writing lab is, where the math labs are? If you need tutoring for subjects, where do you go on campus to get that? Do you know where to find your professor if you need to speak with him or her or them at any point during the day? Um, do you know when their office hours are? We oftentimes, will well, say, Besides hanging out with your friends, what else are you doing? How does your resume look different today than it did when you graduated from high school? So it's a constant, Mm -hmm. you know, and sometimes it's try this, go to the meeting. And they're like, oh, usually it's, oh, I haven't been going. I don't care. I literally go, I just don't care. Just go to a meeting. You've got to start Mm -hmm. off some way. I know it can be really awkward. And this is the scary part. It can be awkward to show up at the latter end of a year when people have been meeting all year. But you know what? Somebody in that room is going to say, come on in. You know? I did the same thing. You just got it. Do- I was
0: just like you. I mean,
1: I think that's what a lot of what well, you don't realize in life, that
0: there's so many people who do want to help and who then yeah. kind of will see, you feel like all the attention, the spotlight is on you. But what you don't realize is other people are sitting there thinking, oh, I remember being in those shoes.
1: Yeah, I'll yeah. pay it forward and help out that colleague. Exactly. The other thing I always, and I sometimes bring up with people is that if there's a nervousness about doing something like that, finding club or organization and start going, the other thing would be, and I tell students, find a job on campus. Mm -hmm. There typically is a little bit of an attrition between the first semester and the second semester with campus jobs, just because students' schedules change. Sometimes their their financial aid work study um, is not, you know, following through. There's multitudes of reasons. Getting a job on campus can be very helpful because you're going to typically meet other students. You're definitely going to be meeting other people who work for the university. And once you have that in, those people will begin looking out for you. They're going to say, oh, hey, you need to, I'll call over here for you, or just go to this office, tell them I told you you were coming and they'll help you. Doing that is going to be able to kind of in a much less stressful way socially be able to kind of get you more connected to the school you now have an adult who is going to be able to kind of look out for you it gives you structure to your schedule because you're going to have just like a class a specific time to work and it puts money in your pocket absolutely so I, so I think that those are those are kind of the things that i talk about first is like we took off some boxes like time management stuff what are you doing with your time looking at are you getting active on and on. And the and the final thing is I always ask what are they doing from a wellness point of view? Not every student works out, but there is benefits to doing it whether it's do you go for walks with your friends, do you go to the gym, are you listening to music, like what are you doing to decompress whenever there's any stress or tension and really focusing on that? And if you have students who need, you know, more mental health wellness, asking, are you utilizing the opportunities available, whether it's through individual counseling that is available, peer mentoring that's available. And also there's a lot of group, like I don't want to say group therapy, but let's say group coaching sessions that a lot of colleges are implementing as more as support mechanisms. And so I think that talking and saying, you know, from a wellness point of view, how are you taking care of yourself?
0: I think that's so important. I mean, I'm somebody who's very active and I knew I had I had to be physically active, but as you just mentioned, there's so many, uh, many other opportunities and a lot of these students were so active in high school. Right. I mean, that's the thing. They were peer tutors or they, or they did work in different organizations or they were active in their religious organization, which I think is, again, something very important to look at, you know, what was meaningful in your life at home that you don't realize you may need that to fall back on during good times and bad times. So. Right, exactly,
1: exactly. And that's funny because I work with like a lot of Jewish students and part of, you know, my, a lot of the stuff I do in my, um is interview, you know, Jewish life directors around the country. But one of the things I talk with my students about is I work with students who go to Jewish day schools a lot. And it's very, you don't have to look very far to get religion wherever you need it. Right. And always, and even I say to them, you're going to go to a school that might have a lot of other Jewish students but that doesn't mean they're going to come after you you've exactly. got you've got to reach out you've got to find that you've got to figure out the ways that you're going to be able to demonstrate that same thing with every other faith so many you know chaplains associations and different you know churches on campus off campus opportunities for bible study there's so many really great experiences to be had but sometimes people don't know to find you if you're not if you're not open to being found <laughs>
0: Absolutely. And I think one, one way to do it is when you throw your name out there or you attend that college fair, it can be sensory overload, but, (laughs) but I think sometimes you put your name down and obviously you can't be on 10 different activities, but as you said, go to the different groups, you're going to get a better feel and vibe of a community that you may be a part, want to be a a part of and want to contribute to. But I also know that I, I grew so much between freshman and senior year that yeah. it's kind of nice. All of a sudden, you, you'll find that one organization that didn't stand up to you as a freshman, all of a sudden as a senior, that's an organization you want to be a part of and help give back. Exactly. So any tips for parents as we support our students and launch them to their next ad- adventure? Um, you know, without being, I know parents are so used to helping. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I say helping in quotes yeah. because we think we're helping, and <laughs> right. I remember getting the the calls from my my kids freshman year, and I it was hard, but I was like, I'm not equipped to answer that. You have your advisors, your your professors, right. your freshman orientation leaders. You have your upperclassmen; like they're the best people to go to because right. they're the boots on the ground and they've been
1: there. Right. I think that's that advice. I think is really great. I think. And because essentially what it's doing is it's it's giving ownership of, there are experts on these campuses all over who know exactly how to support students to get through the, get through whatever, you know, ebbs and flows that they have. And I think that as parents, it's the the better focus is be there to listen and be there to say, this is where, like, Be familiar with have you gone to these places on campus. I think it's important that in a lot of cases parents can't fix the problem when it comes to just navigating the college. Um, It's best not to call up an office on behalf of your student. It's best for your student to get up and walk to that office get your student to make decisions about their classes on their own, which is, which is really hard. You know, it's you, I've heard academic advisors say, you know, it's like, I'm constantly in a meeting and the parent is on the phone with making the decisions oh about the classes. And I think that it's understandable because it's a lot of things are family decisions, but there has to be a point where decisions have to be made by the students. And I think that You know, getting the information that parents get by attending parent orientation and understanding the various offices that can support their student is constantly reminding the student, I'm here to listen, and then I'm here to give you advice. And the advice is, here's the office you should go to. Here's the person I heard at my orientation as a parent that I think would be really helpful. But be in the mindset of, I can't fix everything, but I can be a sounding board, and I can be a guide to get you in the direction you need to go, but I'm not going to be able, you're going to have to put in most of the work. And I think that it's a letting go process. There's a there's actually a book called Letting Go. I highly recommend everyone buy it. Um, I wish I, I was like, it's somewhere on my desk here, but I could uh, wave it in the air. But it's a really great book and it, it really focuses on what parents should expect of their students in their first and second year of schooling and just what the experience will be like from a parent end, whether it's your first student going to school or the last one and what those experiences are like, you know, and by the last, some families are like, get out here, but then they have to deal with empty nest syndrome. And, you know, right. there's just a lot of different stuff. So I just think from a parent's perspective, let this be your student's experience It's not, as I know it's hard, but it's not your experience collectively. It's your students. It's the the college process isn't a we process. It's a your child's process. And so I think that, you know, accepting of that, like enjoying enjoying their joys is wonderful and definitely participate in a lot of things that are related to parent involvement, but letting your student be an adult and letting them make letting them make mistakes and know that universities, unless you do something terribly egregious, which most students don't do, are not there to let you fall and hurt yourself. They're let you, they're gonna let you fall, but there's gonna be a pillow <laughs> that's gonna right. save that fall. Don't worry. And cushion it. Yeah. And, and a lot of schools and a lot of schools do that. Some are better than others. And if you feel that your student is going to need a, a, a fluffier pillow and cushion, to fall on, that's something you need to look at as you're looking at different universities. Because I think when you're looking at from the school perspective, it's really like, what support do I get as a parent? Because there are some schools have excellent parent support programs. Um, and so I think that from a parent side, if you think it's going to be a struggle, find a school that has good parent support. because <laughs> So will parent be-
0: support <laughs> program is really... Yeah, there's okay, interesting.
1: a supervisor of mine, a mentor of mine from when I was in graduate school. I think he started the parent and family program office at my alma mater. And he does amazing work in terms of getting parents to be actively involved, engaged with the university, but also a lot of parent education and teaching the parents The process of this is your experience, here's how to let go. And so there's a lot of schools that do have a very strong focus on, and sometimes it falls under alumni affairs, but oftentimes Mm -hmm. it's now starting to fall under student affairs because they're recognizing that while the family isn't going to college, parental and familial support is a huge process, a part of the process for a student. And so I think that looking, if you are the kind of parent who's like, I want to be involved, but I want to do it in a way that I'm not hindering look for schools that have parent support programs.
0: That's great advice because I would say and it's also personal, like no mm-hmm. judgment. You have to know yeah. yourself as you said. Yes. But some of those Facebook groups would stress me out to no yeah. end. Yeah. You know, you have to be very careful with that because you have people that are used to yeah. expressing their concerns, their unhappiness in those forums which just you see it trickling and 250 comments later, comments about a certain pre- attire or jacket that, that is worn at school. And I, I'm amazed yeah. that somebody could be that interested. In that. Yeah. The other thing is, I think that you you really pointed out is, is um, to, you really have to know your student. And I always say it's hard letting go, but reframing questions. I always, when my kids ask certain questions, I kind of reframe it and just, you know, asking it back to them. You know, how do you feel about that? But then we've talked about mental health and how that is is something that is become more and more problematic and concerning. Um, so you do have to know your student, and I think you said it perfectly in terms of listening. You'll get a sense for is this a question I have to get more involved in and right. be there for my student and support them, or is this something that's just the growing pains that we both have to kind of manage on our own.
1: Right. I'd say that parents/families know their students the best right. but can't always be the best solutions to their issues.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's really great. Yeah. So much great advice. We always love to ask our guests two last questions. What do you yeah. wish you knew before attending college?
1: I don't know if there's I mean I th- I saw the question and I was like I don't I know what it is. My parents went to college. My parents had an amazing college experience. And I think that this idea, I wish I knew that, that the idea that if the four years aren't the most amazing part of your life, that it's going to be perfectly okay. And I had a wonderful, I had a good four years, but I don't know if I would necessarily say it was one of the, it was the best four years of my life. And so I think that I wish I knew walking into it, that it was going to be more than okay. That if those four years weren't exactly like my parents, (laughs) you know right. back in the early 70s that i was going to be okay and that i was going to have many fantastic wonderful years yet to come
0: and you know what we didn't grow up with the social media and that's really important advice for students right now because i think they're seeing it all the time from yeah. their peers that they have to know that everyone's going to experience things at different times and to like focus on yourself too and know that what you see is not necessarily exactly exactly accurate as well. Yeah. Is there a favorite dessert spot or food spot on a college campus? Okay.
1: So I should preface that I've actually written like a blog post about this. I think food is the most fundamental part of a college visit. (laughs) That's why you and I get along. That's why we get along. They eat. And if you go onto a college campus and you have a meal and you don't like it in my land, in the world that Dana lives in, that's a very important telling sign. I'm also a little bit of a food snob, but, and I have been since like, you know, 1970 something, but I will say this, the university of Maryland has the best chocolate, chocolate chip cookie that was in the dining hall. I hope it's still there. It might not be. It was to die for. And the reason I say that is that on the tour, when I took a tour of the university of Maryland in 1996, long time ago, (laughs) they gave us a chocolate chip cookie. On the to sealed the and deal for me. No problem. There's also, I will say Maryland also has a very, very good dairy. I know that other you know colleges around the country, I think Maryland's is the best, but there's plenty of dairies. but I will say there is something about a chocolate chip cookie at the University of Maryland dining hall. Ooh that really sealed, it It sealed the deal. And I would go back every time for it.
0: Okay. You sound like my son, right? My son, when I came, he came out of the school that he ended up going to and graduating from, I asked him top three things that you think about the school right after, you know, the tour and information session. And I remember him saying that dessert bar was the best dessert bar I've seen at any campus. And I thought, well, there's nothing wrong with that.
1: I mean, if you're going to bring me onto campus, I want to be like wine and dine me well, because I will write about the food. I love the food. I I Uh, love talking with so
0: many people who have similar tastes and priorities that I have. Yes.
1: I'm worried about fit and and making sure everybody's mental health is good and making sure they eat well.
0: Eating well makes my mental state in the perfect mind that I will thrive. And that's why I have to work out. out all the time, Dana. So there you go.
1: Exactly. I am in the same boat. We are in good company. Bathing
0: cap in one hand, chocolate chip cookie in another. There's not, there's, there's worse ways that I could live. Just keep it simple. (laughs) I love it. Dana, thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Thank you very much. I really appreciate this.
0: Thank you, Dana, for sharing such insightful advice on how to navigate the first year of college. Outside of academics, it's important to find a community. In order to do this, students have to push themselves outside of their comfort zone and try new things every day. If you have the chance, acclimate yourself to the college environment before school starts and learn how to live on a budget. College is a place that is full of opportunities, but it is up to you to engage in them in order to make the most out of your experience. You can find all of our show notes and links to the helpful resources mentioned throughout our conversation on our website at collegescoops.com podcast. You can learn more about Dana and your guide to college on our website at consultwithdana.com. Please take a couple minutes to rate, review, and subscribe to College Scoops. Thank you for listening to our College Scoops podcast. Our entire College Scoops team strives to make the college journey a little bit easier, less stressful, fun, and tasty by sharing all the inside scoops we have curated along the way. We would love to hear from you about topics to cover and your ideas on everything college related. Reach out to us at collegescoops.com or follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook.